All right, if you would turn with me to Paul's letter to the Colossians. Holiness. Obedience. Do, uh, do those words make you sweat a little bit? Do they scare you? Maybe, maybe you think holy people are other people. I could never be holy. Or maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you think, oh, obedience is easy. I just do what God tells me to do. Well, as we've been going through Colossians, we've been trying to see that the core of Christianity is Christ himself. It's not our obedience. It's not our acts of religion. It's not our spiritual experiences. It's Jesus Christ alone. And we saw even at the end of chapter 2, the last time that we looked in this letter, that outward religion, outward works of the flesh cannot subdue the flesh. As one commentator put it, they can only cage the animal. They don't actually kill it. Um, So this morning, what we're going to do now, Paul turns the corner and he begins to talk about what the Christian life should look like. Because we ought to be obedient. There are good works that we do. But we have to get their foundation right. And that's what Paul wants to be sure that we know. So I'm going to read, actually, in in your bulletin, it says we're going to look at 1 through 17. We're actually going to look at 1 through 4, but I want to read 1 through 17 so that you see what Paul does, okay? He's going to lay out for us the foundation of holiness, the foundation for the Christian life, and then he's going to talk about what we're not supposed to do, the things we need to put off. And then he's going to switch gears and talk about the things we need to put on, what we are supposed to do, what we are supposed to be. So, if you will, uh, read along with me, or read in your head as I read, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Would you pray with me? God, our King, as we turn now to your word, what I pray is, Jake prayed this morning, that you would cause it to come alive in our hearts. Show us the new life. Show us the life we have in you, that we would be forever set apart to your service. And Lord, if we're lacking, if we do not possess the new life, there are those here who don't. I pray, O oh God, that you would that you would bring conviction, that you would bring salvation. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so if you're under the age of 10, I want you to help me finish this song. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not... I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town, right? All right, now if you're over 20, help me out. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows. So be good for goodness sake. That song is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> right? Have you ever thought about that? Santa the omnipotent elf, right, is, is watching your every move should he need to remove you from his list and give you coal and switches, right? Of course, in this economy, you may want coal in your, in your stocking. I don't know. Um, so it, I don't know if that song ever actually inspired joy-filled obedience from children. I don't know that any, any kid who ever heard that song is, oh, okay, great, yeah. Well, I am terrified that Santa Claus is coming, and so I am now going to obey my parents for at least Thanksgiving to Christmas so that I can get what I want, right? Now, as funny as that is, if you replace the name Santa Claus with Jesus Christ, would that be your recipe for the Christian life? Would that be your recipe for obedience and holiness? Sadly, it's my, it's my grandmother's recipe, right? When I, when I ask her, what it means to be a Christian? Do good things, be good to people. That is the sum total for her what the Christian life means. Now, as we read, good things flow from the Christian life, so don't hear me say the Christian life doesn't produce good fruit. But is that your recipe? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Is that what you imagine the God of the universe is doing? Well, hopefully, if that is the case, hopefully this morning we can change what you think about holiness. We can change what you think about obedience. We can change what you think about living the Christian life. I want you to notice the difference here in what Paul is doing. He does not say, obey so you can have a new life. He says, you have a new life. Now obey. 
the new life, right? He talked about it. We've talked about it in chapter 2. Paul's already brought it up. But this new life is the foundation for our obedience. We already have it. And out of that, we have to live. Okay? So there's a couple of things I want you to see first. I want you to see what Paul tells us to do. He he tells us to keep our eyes on the prize. Right? He says, if you have been raised with Christ, and that bears mentioning that Paul is assuming you have a relationship with Jesus. It's going to be incredibly difficult, I'll say impossible, for you to live the Christian life if you don't first know Christ. Paul is saying, if you have been raised with Christ, if you have this new life, then seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things above. And the sense of those commands is is a continual one. Keep seeking the things above. Keep setting your mind on the things above. Because Paul knows my heart and he knows my mind. He knows how frail they are. He knows how prone I am to look down, to look sideways, to look backwards. He knows that I continually lose focus, that I'm constantly distracted by the world around me. The Colossians were, I am, you are. And so Paul says, keep seeking, keep thinking. Right? Because the way that you think, what you seek, what you think, will impact the way that you live. So Paul wants us to get the, that right first. And that reminds us that we're in a fight. We're not, and we're not just in a fight against the sin that's out there. It's not just us against the world. We're in a fight against the sin in here. Or else Paul in verse 5 wouldn't have to say, put to death what is earthly in you. We are in a battle not just against sin outside, but against sin inside as well. And we need that, in a sense, we need that humiliation. We need to remember that there's a battle. I forget who said it this morning in Sunday school. I think maybe it was Sharon. Um, We cannot ever think, Jake was going through the list of notable sinners, all of the people that God chose to use in the Old Testament, Abraham a liar, Jacob a deceiver, Moses a murderer, David an adulterer and a murderer and worse. Right? Those are the people whom God has grace on and Sharon made the good point that we cannot think that we are less than those sinners. We cannot forget. We don't need to forget the fact that Paul, the apostle who wrote this letter, called himself the chief of sinners. That we have a, we have a pretty heinous record. And God in His grace nailed it to the cross and has given us new life so that we have the strength and ability with the Spirit to fight the old life, to fight the old man, as Paul calls him. So he says, keep seeking, keep thinking, keep setting your mind above where Christ is, right? The object of our focus, the one we're supposed to seek after, is Christ himself and the heavenly realm where he lives, where he belongs. If you think about it, it makes sense. If the, objects of our, if the object of our affection is to be Jesus and he's above, then we need to keep the object of our affections above, Right? And very practically speaking, we'll get into this in in a couple of months, but that whole section, verses 12 through 17, 
It's all about what it means to focus on a Christ-centered life. What it means to seek after the things above. All right? Paul says it another way in Romans 8 when he says that we walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That's all Paul's doing. He's saying there's two ways you can walk. You can walk by the Spirit you can walk by the flesh. This one means death and this one is life. You have new life. Walk by the Spirit. Think about the things that are above. The Colossians were hearing from these false teachers, right? the people that they were dealing with, they were saying, look at me. Look at my wisdom. Look at my spiritual resume. Look at the experiences that I have. Do what I do. Follow these religious observations. Uh, worship on these holidays. Worship these angels. Right? They were saying, if you do all of these things, you'll have the good life. You'll have spiritual maturity. You'll have all that you're looking for. And Paul's saying, no, all that you're looking for is in heaven. The object of your affections is in heaven. It's Christ. So keep your eyes on him. Not on, not on these teachers, not on these earthly teachers. They're obsessed with heaven. They think that they can attain heaven. They think that they can attain all of these wonderful spiritual things but they're trying to go about it in an earthly way. Keep your focus on who Jesus is. Keep your focus on Christ and on heaven. I would, I would illustrate it this way. This will speak to some of you. Um, Jake McCall is a much better Auburn fan than I am an Alabama fan. Um, now, I love Alabama. I went to school there, same as Jake went to school at Auburn. I was at every game that I could get to as a student uh, and have even actually managed to afford some since then, but only rarely. Um, but there is, a, there is a difference in our affection for our schools. When I, after, Michigan's, uh, excuse me, after Alabama's route of Michigan, all right, the first week in September, I asked Jake at that time, listen, if, and if I'm losing you, like if you're – don't have a clue about college football, just pause for a second, and you can jump back in in a second. But, right, the University of Southern California, they were number two in the country. Alabama was number one. And so it was possible at that point that we, Alabama, we, would face USC in the national championship game. And so I asked Jake, if we faced USC later on in the season, would you cheer for Alabama? And he said, no. There's no way I could do it. Now, as many things as are wrong with that statement, um, here, here's what I think Jake is saying. He may have to, he, he can defend himself in a minute. Um, Jake is saying, I am an Auburn man. My loyalty belongs to Auburn. It is part of my nature, and it cuts against the grain of my nature to ever cheer for Alabama. Okay. <laughs> On a much, much bigger and more important scale, that's exactly what Paul is saying. You have a new nature. Your loyalty belongs to Christ in heaven. So live in accordance with that nature. To live to, according to the flesh is going to cut against the grain of who you are. So live according to the new nature that you have. That is probably the last time I will ever even hope godliness and Auburn come in the same sentence. So, all right, 
Paul's saying that, that our new life in Christ should set the tone for how we view the rest of life. And then he goes on to give his reasons. Right? He says, the prize is yours now and forever. The way he says it is, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. And we've talked about this before. You've died. You wouldn't have a new life if you hadn't already died with Christ. You have died. And so that means the claims of all these false teachers, the claims of these spiritual beings that they worship, they have no hold on you. And so now, Christian in Alabama in the 21st century, what are the things that cause you to lose focus? What are the things that, again, try to to lay claim on you? Is it sins of the past? Is it sins of your parents' past? Is it is it sin that you're currently fighting? Is it the approval of man? Is it some of the things we that, that Paul listed there? Sexual morality, impurity, anger, wrath, malice. Are, are those things waging war against your soul? Have hope in what Paul says. He says, you have died. Those things have no claim on you. They have no hold on you anymore. And he goes further. He says, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. That word hidden means secure. He's got it. Nobody's going to unseat you. You are with Jesus. John 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and says that all who the Father has given me, I cannot let go out of my hand. Nothing can take them out of, out of his hand. But what's more is what you are now is hidden. It's a secret. It's part of the mystery that will be revealed. And it will be revealed when Christ, who is our life, appears. And notice how how Paul says that. It's not Christ who holds on, just, just Christ who holds on to your life. It's Christ who is your life. You belong to him. He has you. All of his benefits and blessings are yours. It's like a good marriage. Right? For those of you who are married, who have been married, you remember the vows that we took for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Right? As you were bound together that day by God, you said all of the joys and all of the sorrows that we experience, we will experience together. Well, in a much greater way, Paul, Paul is telling us that Christ is our life. In the same way that Rebecca is now my life, Christ is our life, and all of the joys and all of the blessings that are His become ours. We belong to Him. We're hidden with Him. And when He is revealed on that last day, when He is revealed as Lord of heaven and earth to every eye, to every soul that has ever lived, those of us who belong to Him will be revealed as well. When the Son of God is revealed, all the sons and daughters of God will be revealed. That's what Paul points to to motivate our holiness, to motivate our obedience. Isn't that odd? 
I met with a group of students, uh, older students this summer, and this passage is one of the ones we looked at and we really struggled to, to figure out a good way uh, to, to phrase this. What Paul is basically saying is, the work is done. The goal, the finish line has been crossed for you. So now work. So now run. The ultimate battle has been won for you at Calvary. Your enemies, Satan, death, the flesh, they've, they've been defeated. They're living on borrowed time. So now fight. We kind of struggle to figure out how do, how do we fight when the battle's already won? In our kind of competitive mindset, it's hard to grasp that because we always want to work towards a goal, and there's a goal for us to work towards. But what Paul is saying is, you've got the goal. Now strive for it. And what I hope that means for you is this, that because the battle has already been won, because we struggle and suffer and live in light of the fact that we're already winners, that it makes the suffering worth it. That it makes the fight possible. That it gives you hope. That it makes that it puts every victory of yours in perspective. Many of you have lived with Christ long enough to see victory over certain sins that, that beset you for a long time. And now you can look back and you can say, that wasn't my victory, but Jesus's. I was addicted to whatever for 15 years but I'm not anymore. And it's not because of my effort. It's because Jesus won the battle. So in light of that hope, Paul says, put to death what is earthly and clothe yourselves with the good things of Christ, with a Christ-centered life. We can strive for holiness because Jesus Christ holds our lives forever. We have hope for fighting and for striving. And, th- and fight and strive we will because that's what it means to live in the Spirit. So are you worshiping Santa Claus or Jesus Christ? Don't be good for goodness sake. It won't work. Be good for Christ's sake. If you've been raised with Christ, then you can seek the things above where Christ is, your hope, your life, your glory. Let's pray. Our gracious God, thank you. Thank you for saving us in a way that we would have never seen, for giving us Jesus, for giving us new life, giving us strength and hope for the battle. Father, for those who are struggling in the fight, for those who are in despair of losing, remind them that if they are in Christ, they have already won because you have won for them 
There is no failure so great that their life will be taken from them, but that it is hidden with you and it will be revealed on that last great day. God, our prayer for our holiness is not that we would be good for goodness sake, but it, but it is the words of the old hymn, Lead on, O King Eternal. Lead on, O King Eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease and holiness shall whisper the sweet amen of peace. The cross is lifted o'er us. We journey in its light. The crown awaits the conquest. Lead on, O God of might. We ask that in Jesus' name.